And that was almost like one of those. Uh, we're ba- back. THX we always, things that build up. Oh, oh yeah. When it does a all around. <laughs> I'm going to have yeah. to do much better editing for that to actually mm-hmm. be a thing, I think, to bounce around the car. <laughs> Boy, that'd be disorienting. Just a bunch of us. Yeah. Just Our giggles from coming out from. Oh, <laughs> that'd be overwhelming. And uh, whatever it is, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, so Hi. I'm probably on the ground mm-hmm. from Germany, I think. Yep. Um yeah, so I should be back. Hopefully mm-hmm. postcards are in the mail. and Or in your hand. Hopefully I had an amazing time because well, we're recording this ahead. Of, we've never really done this no, far ahead No, you're of right. Yeah. yeah. So No one had to know that. Well, I'm letting them know. <laughs> Dirty little secret. We're recording this way ahead. <laughs> way ahead. Hey, this is us being proactive. So if anything, current, mm-hmm. this is the most advanced planning I've ever had in my life. Um, Other than the Germany trip, yeah. So yeah, if there's anything currently pressing hmm. we don't know what it is yeah like but... in the world we live in right now everything is great did we just win a grammy we're t- yeah maybe <laughs> an Emmy? or an oscar, uh, an oscar? i think yeah. oscars right yeah. yeah maybe we won an oscar mm-hmm. right we don't know they thought this was a spoof are there, the are there poskers poskers podskers podskers we definitely could be posers <laughs> that's what i was getting at yeah. um cool. this this well before we get into that so Make sure you subscribe. Subscribe. Make sure you tell a friend, tell, tell a, a friend. family member mm-hmm. about the show. Tell a stranger. Have them download it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you guys have shown so much support and so much yeah. love for the show, yeah. and we can't thank you enough. And with that being said, uh, should we thank our patreons? Yeah, we can thank our uh, patrons. You want to? <laughs> Pat- we're gonna say thank our patreons. As of <laughs> the current time, at the end of February. Well, you know, here's to new faces. We'll we may have a... added some. Yeah. By then, but yeah. we don't know. We'll yeah. see what happens. This is this is current as of the day we're recording as this. So day, sorry to any new today. people that may have shown up. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, Allison, Alan, Brian, Catherine, Chad, Cindy, Dela, Deborah, Dryad Gaming Company, Holly, James, Jeremy, Jesse, Josh, Kelly, Lindsay, Megan, Sean, Tyler. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks like for reading all the, the disciples there, wasn't it? It was a lot of, Ooh. yeah. Um, a lot of J names. That's good. No, but thanks. And if you want to support the yep. show, if you want access to the content these people are getting, www.patreon.com forward slash look what I did. Mm-hmm. So visit our website at www.lookwhatidid.net for images and other yeah. things. Um, so this episode is a guy I've known for a really long time, like a very, very long time. Um, but Chase, mm-hmm. Billy Chase, go for it. Yep. He is an independent filmmaker mm-hmm. and that's what he does for a living. But there's some really, really cool tidbits. If you're into filmmaking, I think this conversation is a must, must listen to. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it's an hour plus of just nonstop mm-hmm. insight and, and good tips on getting that work up on screen. So it's super cool. So So I'm nodding my head like crazy over here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, I I was blown away by Chase and he's an integral part of Fayetteville. I feel, Yeah, you know, it's like you mentioned his name. I told a few people and like, yeah, I know him. Does he do this still? Or is he doing that? You know? And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. He's a super cool guy. Oh yeah. Um, and if you smoke cigars, he's often at a cigar lounge near Mm -hmm. us and, uh, swing by and say hi. He's a, he's a very friendly fellow. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Enjoy. This is this is my first day with a ponytail. It's just so you know. Really? This is I've been growing my hair out, and this is the first day. I know it looks We're gonna have to get a photo and, of the. No, you're not Hollywood. wearing a ball cap. You look like a real director now. <laughs> right? That's really. No. <laughs> and my allergies are so bad. I almost brought sunglasses in and just wore them over my ponytail. Rick Rubin. Yes. But first day with a first day with a ponytail. I like nice. it. I, yeah, I think it's gonna work. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you should keep it until I get sick. I think of you it. should. Um, well, let's start until with someone calls you Uncle Chase. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's not really. Wait, hold no. on. Daddy, never mind. I used to call him Uncle Chase. <laughs> you know how like those famous friends that aren't actually your friends <laughs> <laughs> or like actual uncles, but you have to say Mister or whatever. And then Mister like, Uncle. Yeah, Mister Uncle. Yeah, Mister Uncle. I don't so think I actually ever call called me. Uncle Mister Chase. Uncle. That'd be weird. Mister Uncle Daddy. But I have known Chase since I was a little kid. Yeah. No joke. Cool. Very little kid. Yeah. Great. 
Taught me my first uh, force card trick manipulation oh, thing. Okay. Yeah. Not like. Yeah. These, <laughs> like, these aren't the droids you're this. looking for. It's like a like, joke <laughs> when a kid tells a joke. You got to sit and listen. It's like that's a forced joke. Yeah. Like uh, every joke. Yeah, Chase was like, do I need to bring anything? I was like, well, we're having a kid's birthday party. So if you can bring some <laughs> oh, magic stuff. <laughs> I brought balloons. Yeah. Yeah. I, can do, I can do about 40 Watch minutes. Watch this podcast disappear. <laughs> I almost brought up like, I don't know if you remember, but I lost a dot to Domino a long time ago. And it was yes. back when you couldn't like easily source that stuff. And so I almost said, bring a dot. I'm still missing the one for my domino. domino Hold on. But I don't know if I have the domino You're anymore. You can move. Cool. Oh, he just was that. He just Wait, totally. I'm editing this like part. I'm editing this part out. I feel like things that are Discovery regularly sold at Silver Dollar City are probably not wildly protected, but. Well, they do have. I'm not, when you're a kid, you're old. You're old enough that when you were a kid, you couldn't go online and just buy mm-hmm. all the magic stuff you wanted. Mm-hmm. You had to go to a shop. Silver Dollar City was the closest yeah. magic oh, shop yeah. to me. Wow. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you how the raccoon works. I will keep that magic. At night? No, the raccoon they sell at Silver Dollar City. <laughs> Oh, the one with the spring in it. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. I've been to Silver you Dollar City. You've that for millions of children. <laughs> or ten. Hello, or however ten, many go to Silver Dollar City on a regular basis. We should ask Heather to bring her uh, Chris Angel magic kit. Chris <laughs> Angel magic kit? <laughs> for Halloween, can you go as Chris Angel? Because I can kind of <laughs> see it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Is he just like the longer form of the Let's spiky just go man? as different oh, magicians. Chris we'll Angel. all go together as different magicians. I'll go as a person going as a magician. I don't know. One of my most liked photos on Facebook is me and Chris Angel from about six years ago. Oh, that's kind of... No, it's horrible. Get it's horrible. It. I'm at my fattest. He's at his skinniest. Most, he hadn't, he hadn't put go on... Go to the gymiest. Well, he hadn't... He hadn't put on all the muscle oh, weight. Oh, so he's he like was super still, thin. Because he's like 130 years old. Chris Angel's old. I was like, I he, can see he, that. He, like, he skews younger than what? Because like when he was on TV and stuff, he was trying to play it like he was like 35. Yeah, because he really no, seems like he's... he was. He was pushing. He was early 50s, I believe. Really? Whoa. And so uh, he dropped. Like he was starting to get a like the dad bod thing was mm. setting in, and he lost a bunch of weight, and then he went to the gym and. Who knows what else he did Trying to pack to, on some right. muscle. Oh. That's but, uh, uh, I'm really torn by him because his you can't seems put this on the podcast. so video. He's so litigious. Do what? He's super litigious, by oh. the way. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything then. <laughs> That's why I stopped. I'm well, kidding. I can edit this part out. <laughs> Screw you know Angel. what? I'm okay. If Chris Angel listens to this, I feel like I hit a different level. <laughs> It'll be tied up in court for years, and he's got like four left. He's old. Mm. Yeah, oh. see? We'll win. Yeah. So, um, yeah. wait, that, and we haven't said anything libelous. No. We're no. good. Just that right. he's skinny and not very good at magic. <laughs> oh. He's really good at video cameras and. He's super great at video cameras. Yeah. Because right, that's how So you're about saying that. that we're not going to talk about You know the it, show but... that I actually think is really cool? <laughs> I'm saying look up the reviews for his shows in Las <laughs> Vegas, his live performances. Uh, <clears throat> magic Yelp that. I just really kind of wish it did. Justin, yeah, Justin show's great. Justin Woman's show, Magic for Humans, is fantastic. It's on Netflix, and it's really good. It's like social commentary mixed with some really great close-up magic. It's, yeah. it's good. It's a let's really great show. Yeah. Um, let's start with who you are yeah. and what you do, I, other than grow ponytails. <laughs> um, I am Billy Chase Goforth, and I make movies and other motion video project things. And magic. And movie I, magic. I do some occasional magic. And occasional magic. Yeah. That should be a business card. I used to do a magic. lot more magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my business card now just says gentleman at large. Yeah. <laughs> that that makes sense to me. My next one, I'm stealing a joke from 30 Rock. It's just going to say my name, and then it's going to say five inches, but thick. <laughs> We're talking about the ponytail, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. So, <laughs> Chase makes family-friendly movies. <laughs> or I making make family movies. movies. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, so what, what got you into... Because I did meet you as a magician, basically. Yes. Like, I mean, that's not how I met you, but right. that was seemed what like I, the yes. passion at the time. Yes. And then... I feel like I moved to Albuquerque in 99 and I came back and you had a movie project at the time, like pretty well underway. Yes. Maybe even done. So I, um, yeah, I love magic stuff. I still do 
Uh, I'm consulting with a guy right now who's about to do some TV stuff. He's a really talented kid. I would prefer to be behind the scenes on the magic stuff. I'm an okay performer. Um, but the stuff I am best at is the larger scale stuff. Um, we did some rodeo shows and stuff like that with the large scale illusions. And there's not as big a market for that right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a ton of work. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so to go do an illusion show, you're moving, uh, you're loading up a truckload full of furniture, a house worth of furniture, and then you're driving to a location, you're unloading a house worth of furniture and setting it all up. Then you do a show, then you load up a full house worth of furniture. It's like a Taylor Swift concert on tour. But we don't have, like, we we can't swing. 200 trucks. No, the market for that right (laughs) now, we can't swing having, you know, a dozen roadies to help move that stuff up. It's it's going to be me and a couple other people that are still going to have to work on the show. It's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but Magic seems to have done well on TV, but has mm-hmm. not had a commiserate revival in person. It doesn't seem like there's there's not. Well, who goes who goes to see anything live? Comedy shows, I feel people like, have kind of bounced comedy back shows, a little. The comedy shows there are Max um, Blade, but Maxwell Blade and, mm-hmm. and Hot Spring, and there's some guys up in Branson that are doing really well. Yeah. Wisconsin Dells, vacation spots like that in the Midwest. There's there's plenty of magic theaters, Pigeon Forge. There's a castle that hosts um, magic shows occasionally. Yes, there is. <laughs> the the uh, Magician's Castle. No, Magic Castle. Yeah, Magic Castle. <laughs> Heard about the school bus? Is that how you get there? No, yeah. I was talking about Hogwarts, guys. <laughs> uh, I don't see what I was like, Magic School Bus, Magic Castle. But uh, Gothic. Yeah, the live castle. performances that are popular right now tend to be things that can be set up relatively easy and relatively cheaply. Uh, you can go see bands, and you can go see stand-up comics. Um, but most of those venues are pretty small, have low overhead. Mm-hmm. They don't have big backstage areas. Uh, putting on a big Magic shows. a a pretty tough sell right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's not as much of that. The, the guys that are doing really big uh, illusion shows tend to have their own theater. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Hamners up in Branson, they do a great show, but they've got their own space. They're there. Uh, you have um, to start like, really fully funded. You can't be an up and comer going in. No, tough yeah. to do. Um, and if you're going to own your own theater, you're selling um, bus tours, you're selling to vacation groups, you're selling to timeshares. Right, you're, right. It, there's a, a real tough sales market to get in right. to sell those tickets. Um, even in Las Vegas, um, some of the guys I know out there, they spend um, a, a, a lot more time than you would think moving tickets. Um, some of the guys that have been on TV a lot, I don't mention any names, but those guys... Still, you know, they, they've got uh, some big names have two shows a night in theaters that hold 1,500 people. That's a lot of tickets to move yeah. in a week, man. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. lot of tickets yeah. to move in a week. Especially in an uh, off season. Yeah. Jeez. So it's just not in the cards for guys like uh, Thurston that used to travel around by train and <laughs> go city to city and where those theaters aren't there anymore. A couple of guys still do performing arts centers, but not a lot. Not I mean, I guess to that point, Ringling Brothers, they're done, right? Yeah. And the circus is over. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. we just have that creepy white van that goes from fairground to fairground <laughs> with one elephant. Yeah, who goes There's to the circus where they hand out the free tickets? You know, they come in, they're like, hey, free tickets. They're, yeah. they're actually still pretty cool, but like, yeah. I think Valentine Circus, right, is one that comes around still. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Uh, there's a couple of families. Uh, I guess Big Apple Circus is still going. A um, couple of smaller units. And then... Uh, You've got Cirque du Soleil, which primarily is in theaters built for them in permanent locations, in residencies. They have a few traveling shows. They just bought a magic show. They bought the Illusionist's traveling show for $40 million, is the rumor. Just bought that show up. Pretty good plan to make all that money back. And they've been doing that show for about 10 years now. It's got a little bit of a following. It's, It's an established touring beast right, like it, right. It, that thing they know how to move it they know how to sell tickets and how to promote it but yeah Cirque du Soleil bottom up they'll add some people swinging around on a crazy. bed sheet or something and it'll I know, be a Cirque du Soleil show my brother was in a apparently the second largest acrobatic circus after Cirque du Soleil mm-hmm. and the just him talking. I mean, they did a lot of shows and they traveled yeah. a decent amount and they did work for David Blaine and did the Scream Awards and that kind of stuff yeah. but yeah it's you're not making a lot of money because no. your overhead's insane. Yeah. You know, just Jeez. moving stuff like around. Did stilts. He did a lot of stilt work. A lot of yeah, stilt stuff. Yeah, and stilt and fire throwing yeah, type. Fire stuff. Yeah, um, and they did really cool work, but 
Yeah, he wasn't overhead's making crazy. any money. It's like having a ska band thing. back in the day. It was really good for a while, and you had 12 people. Yeah, how do you pay all down, 12? It's like, and then it's you have to pair down. And then you have Ed Sheeran, one guy, one guitar. <laughs> when, everybody tra- when everybody traveled by train from large city to large city, that was yeah. a totally different beast. Oh, yeah. You could house everybody on the train. Uh, now you've got to do it. Um, you got to put them up in hotels. You got to have buses. You got to have something that's mm-hmm. crazy expensive. To and I think we were more willing to go out for an event. Like, I think this might actually fall in the movie theater category of like, it's harder to get people for smaller scale stuff. Like, if it's not a big tent pole yeah. haha, thing, you know, yeah. I mean, legitimately, like, if it's not a huge production, whether it's in a movie theater or I guess if you had, like, if Circuit de Soleil comes to town, which they do, right? Don't think I'm. Sometimes. Yeah, they have some traveling. Yeah. Then then people go out for that. But if you do like a small smaller scale thing, you're just not gonna get people off the couch. It tends everything's polarizing. Everything is going to big giant epic productions or the tiny little things. Very, very little uh mid range stuff. Right. Um you've got either um well, Steve Martin and Martin Short are touring, right. doing their two-man mm-hmm. show, which is a big, it's heavy production. Like, there's a lot, they travel with Steve Martin's band, there's a right. lot of audiovisual stuff, there's a lot of moving scenery and stuff for this little two-man show. Right. And then you've got, you know, stand-up comics with a local opener. Just and one guy doing that. That's it. Although, so, but there is some benefit to that, because I know you just came off the most recent Marvel movie, but there, <laughs> there has become Clearly. a bigger market for small-scale things, like Netflix or yeah. Amazon. Like, all these guys looking for original content gives us a platform, gives you a platform, and so there is... Yeah. Like, oddly, like a wider mouth to the funnel, you know, like, to... <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's just more... Yeah chance of getting something to stick which has allowed you like are you doing this as a living yeah the film stuff and that's scary yeah it, well because I, w- I wondered about it i was like man <laughs> like he doesn't seem to do anything that isn't film uh, at this point <laughs> like i, I guess he's I just was, doing that i was fairly successful before doing some magic stuff Ooh, right so um i had a little bit of a cushion there um and uh th- yeah there's there's a market for basically my movies are the equivalent of a one man show in a, a comedy club. Right. right. Um, you can make a horror film at a certain price point mm-hmm. for your budget that you are going to make that money back and break even. Right. Um, hopefully make some money and hopefully make yeah. some money <laughs> off it, but you're going to, you're going to be able to break even. Right. Right. Most likely it was, if you stay under certain numbers, um, and you know, that's nice. It's nice to have that. You have to be able to finish a movie, which is where a ton of people go off the rails Yep, is they raise a bunch of money and it turns out that finishing these things are really, really hard. Editing. Editing is where I stumbled. It's hard. It's tough. Yeah. And then, um, they did, like we just delivered, um, so two years ago, I shot a movie called Door in the Woods. Yeah, is it's, that VOD? It's yet? won some. It's won some awards. We took it to. We took a year to take it to film festival. It mm-hmm. Took a full year to finish it. By the time we got effects done and editing Everything and music done. and all that, um, because you can do amazing things on a small budget. It's going to cost you time. Right. Um, you can do it a lot shorter if you throw thirty million dollars at it. We don't have that. Right. So much, much slower process. But a year post production doesn't seem insane. A year of well, and this whole thing, the whole process of actually creating it took two years. Right. Um, wrote the script really fast. There was a gap uh, in a lot of production in Arkansas. We had uh, so we stole a bunch of crew that had been working on other stuff and it brought works out. them in. We had an investor that was ready to go. So whole process of creating it. Two years. Um, then we took it for a year to film festivals. It won some awards. Mm-hmm. It did really well. It won some acting awards. We got some acting awards. Nobody gives acting awards to horror films, right? Like that yeah, just doesn't come fair. up. No. So, because um, usually it's just girls topless and screaming and right, a right. guy in a mask. But this has got some some heavy duty acting in it. Um, so won some awards for that. And then uh, we signed a deal with a distributor. Um, it looks like June it'll be available on DVD and video on demand. Nice. Um, and then we'll see about streaming after that. But uh, it took us 
the, the, what they call deliverables on the film. So we have the film completely finished. Mm-hmm. We're able to show it in theaters at film festivals and stuff. But then we have to create a publicity package, a right. press packet right. for the distributor because they're taking it to market, to trying it. to sell it. And we don't want them creating the marketing material. We, we want to have a hand right. in that and right. tell yeah. the story right. Right. Um, and then, uh, and we have great distributors. They're just busy. They got a lot of other stuff to do. So all of that, the film has to be delivered um, with, uh, has to be delivered with the sound mix has to be delivered with uh, a sound mix that all the elements are separate. In other words, all the dialogue is in one channel, all mm-hmm. the sound of the, the um, wild sound that we captured on sets and right, right. sound effects or another music's another one. So if we sell it overseas, which we have a great chance of doing, subtitle, um, they can dub it or dub. Yeah. They can do, we have to give them a visual copy of the movie that has no text on it anywhere. So they can, put their own titles and stuff in it. Our movie has a deaf character and we have some subtitles that are in actually ingrained in the movie. It's not a subtitle thing you turn on and off. Well, we have to give them a version that doesn't have any of that with um, a couple of different versions of what those subtitles would be in English. Right. Because sometimes they don't directly translate into another language. Right. So there's, <clears throat> 15 different versions of the movie we have to give them plus all the paperwork, all the contracts, all the deal memos, all this stuff. It took six months to get the distributor, all the bits and pieces they need to be able to give the movie out. So it's really difficult to finish a movie. You can do it. You can do it with two or three people and make a movie and keep it really simple and do it. But it's, it's tough. The back end of that is a thing that people don't anticipate. You can make a movie probably actually pretty simply. It's getting yeah. it out in front of the audience. We ran into that with this actually. We've talked about it a couple mm-hmm. times of like making the thing yeah. not as yep. tough as you would think. Getting it to the audience, mm-hmm. climbing Mount Everest. Right. <laughs> like, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure this pales in comparison. Our no, 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 a hundred percent. But like, it's who would have thought that all these? I mean, it makes sense. Everything you said, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But who would have thought? Right. You know, and I think I say that every podcast too. It's like, who would have thought? But Aaron doesn't think about anything. <laughs> well, and then we sell it, and it Maybe. makes it makes some money. Mm-hmm. Now those checks come in, and the producers have to sit down and divide that money up. And there's a whole accounting process that goes with that, and some transparency to make sure everybody gets what they should what be their getting, back end percentage right. should right. be, and all of that. Man. Like it's goes on forever. And this our distributor has this license with this movie for I think seven years, so. It could be seven years, which is great. Seven years of potential income coming right. in, but um, you know, I, I have to eat next week. Are you guys even looking at <laughs> so, it? Yeah, fair. Are you guys even looking at a theatrical release, or is it all going to be probably not? Man, theatrical release. Um, but horror movies have been doing really well have, in theaters. They have the what it cost um, to put to do the hard drives and things just to physically get the movie the, into yep. theaters is a jaw-dropping amount of money. Yeah. Then you add print and advertising, Mm -hmm. which can Mm -hmm. be half to as much as your budget in print and advertising. Um, Really, really expensive to do. And a lot of the, um, a lot of things that are getting theatrical right now in limited release, Mm -hmm. the real money is still video on demand and streaming. Right. Because if you go to Netflix and you say, this movie had a theatrical run of six weeks in these cities. They know that there's at least a group that has already been marketed to. Right. And has, it has a little bit audience. of word of mouth and your price, you can negotiate a higher price with Netflix. Right. But you're probably not going to make any money on the theatrical release. Well, yeah. And that's the risk is putting all that money up and then getting nothing or right. being in the hole a little bit yeah. and hoping to get it on the back end. Well, there are other networks to uh, give that out to. Isn't, it, isn't there one called Chiller? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I've Chiller's, watched a few movies on yeah. that. Um, Chiller tends to, they have some of their own original stuff mm-hmm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they got that thing with Joe Bob Briggs right now where he's going to be doing a weekly mm-hmm. thing like he used to do on TV. That's going to be great. Mm-hmm. They got a couple of original series, but mostly it is a landing ground for films from the 80s and 90s mm. that people 
there's still an audience for him. People right. still want to see him. Sort of but they had their first cheap. run on everything. Yeah. Um, so it's a landing ground for second run stuff, which is great. There's a market for that and, right. and to do it. There's, I mean, you can, we could go make a movie right now and do all our clearances, do all our paperwork, and we can put it on Amazon ourselves. And uh, make probably make depending on what our budget is, probably make a little money off of it. Mm-hmm. But it's still getting in front of eyeballs, right? And when this thing goes to video on demand and hits iTunes and all that stuff, um, you know, I'm going to be hitting up everybody to uh, review that thing, rank it, star it, all of that, because our best hope is to get mixed up in that algorithm and mm. get shot into the top mm. 10 That's of something hard part to and get mm. done. Yeah. yeah. But there are ways you can strategically do that. Mm. People have started testing. They won't tell you how all that works, but there are some guys that are out there testing this stuff. And it turns out if you set up a little army ahead of time of a hundred people, everybody can put together a hundred people and you're all going to hit it at the same time, you know, within an hour and stuff you can, you can there's things you can the do system a little bit so I actually work a little uh, bit now in this field and there are things you can do to make things pop really quickly the trick is making it stick so right. you have to hope that first pop lands somewhere yeah. um and that i mean we face that with this but even in yeah. the other business venture of the trick of making the conversation about you right like you right. have to make the conversation be about you yeah. and that's we mess with that a lot and it's yeah. it's and it is all a shot in the dark because it's like what's gonna catch fire somewhere and get sure. people kind of really interested or talking about it but yeah that sounds like a lot of work and it's it's a lot of but also it's gonna be fun um right now i can do things for marketing that won't scale up if we eventually you know get a little more successful right i can do things now like i'll buy a case of my own dvds from the distributor I'll hit every sci-fi and horror convention around. Mm-hmm. I'll get my sad little table and just talk to anybody that'll come up and talk <laughs> and talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. Because if I get, if, if, if over a couple of years, I get 5,000 people, which is doable. Like but that's totally a doable. reasonable amount of yes. people to reach. If I get 5,000 people that go, I met that guy and he wasn't a dick. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That's a big Big jump start for the Who next, are you sending in your thing. place to this table? That's gonna... <laughs> right, right. I'll have to be on my best behavior. You have to really highlight yeah. that ponytail. I will. <laughs> I will. But that's all I have to do is just be like, he wasn't mm-hmm. a complete jackass to me. Well, we yeah. did. We um, we went to show Chad's show in November and literally yeah. just walked around. We're like, hey, if you subscribe to our podcast, we'll give you a sticker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sure. Because you just have to do that Sweet ground work mm-hmm. of like, yeah. Just yeah. get in front of people. But to your point, if you talk to everybody about it, you, depending yeah. on what you do, you're going to encounter 5,000 yeah. people sure. in a year. I yeah. mean, I, in my job, I see over 100,000 people a year. Yeah. So, like, I don't talk to every and one I, of them. That's but. what guys, before all this stuff was cool this way, that's what guys like Kevin Smith did. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think of Kevin Smith as a filmmaker, man, he laid the groundwork for a fan base early, early on mm-hmm. by just, he'd go out and meet with a bunch of guys at a convention like that and go, uh, you want you want to go to lunch? You want to go to get out of Jack in the Box? I'll buy you a burger, and go. And man, that goodwill goes. And he just seems like the most way. affable guy. Yeah, like who yeah. doesn't want? Like yeah, he just seems super easygoing. Yeah. Like yeah. you're gonna walk away with like, oh, I'd work with him. Yeah, the, I, do, I don't understand the hate that Kevin Smith gets. Yeah, I do too because he's he does the things he wants to do and not really anything else. And that really, but I think it's a weird way. That's what makes him adorable. But you know, he has found a Renaissance as a television director on those CW shows, like Supergirl and flash. And his episodes Mm -hmm. are fantastic. Almost every single time. He is a talented, talented guy. And if you do the things you want to do, and there are other people around that aren't willing to put in the work or the sacrifice to do the things that they want to do, uh, they get, they get frustrated. Yeah. And sometimes it gets aimed at you. Didn't he do Red State? Yeah. So it goes a little weird in the final yeah, 10 minutes of the movie. But up <laughs> until then, it is the least Kevin Smith thing I think I've ever seen. And it's really, really good. Yeah. But it didn't get any response either. But that's like what yeah. you feel like the bigger studios would have wanted from Kevin Smith. And then nobody cared. Nobody, but it's a yeah, really good it's a movie. Great movie. It's, yeah. It's fantastic. That's a, that's a good one. Why do you think. 
horror movies specifically seem to be such a fertile ground for indie filmmakers. Why is it that genre? Um, because there are, um, it's an easy plot to deal with. Um, well, it's just topless girls running and screaming. Right, it's topless yeah. girls running and screaming. It's, it's, a, um, it's an easy plot to deal with. <laughs> it feels manageable. Um, and also, there's a, that little thing about, uh, God, I can't remember the guy that said it, that, uh, ca- that Westerns and horror films are basically the only true American art form. So. So. Ish. 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 I don't have any ish jokes. No, I don't either. Go oh, ish. Go ish. Yeah. <laughs> Draw another joke. <laughs> Five loaves and two ishes. <laughs> oh. Um, man, I really, this, you know, I've tried my hand at filmmaking a little bit, and it definitely shows that I just don't have persistence in that area or something. <laughs> but um, I just think it, I think it's so cool mm-hmm. that something that, as a kid, I don't know how available and accessible this was. In the 90s, I know there were a couple people I went to school with that did a lot of film or like public access, but it's so accessible now. I mean, you literally can grab your phone, uh, your phone Mm -hmm. and make a pretty decent chase talks about that of just filming a couple scenes. Maybe Mm -hmm. not something you'd release, Mm -hmm. but something you could definitely put up on YouTube, something you can show your friends. And I think of a proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah. Like write a thing 20 minutes long, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes long, five minutes long, edit it, learn to... I. We talk about it a little bit towards the end. Just go do the thing. As Aaron Mm -hmm. likes to say... Do it afraid. Just go out and do it. Just start. And I think that's where this conversation ultimately kind of comes boils down to is just go out and do the thing. There's very little in your way. Right. And there's a community here that would support you. Oh, man. For sure. Be excited, give you tips, hints. It's it's true, you know? As long as you're receptive to that, which I think that's the hardest part. But it's... Man, it's... A lot of eye-opening things here mm-hmm. with this conversation. So case. I don't know if it's super clear in this conversation. The The movie Door in the Woods should see release mid-late summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, as we get closer to that, I'm sure we'll put out yeah. some information around that as well. But uh, it, it, it got a good response. Mm-hmm. It got a good reception. So yeah. I'm super excited about seeing it. Unfortunately, I missed yeah. the premiere <laughs> yeah. due to unforeseen circumstances. When it when it originally came out, but I'm excited about seeing it. I, I want to see seen it. it either. I've so, seen a few tips or uh, clips on yeah. YouTube, and it's just like, oh, this is a different, yeah, different thing. So yeah. I'm super excited about yep. it. Um, that being said, go to www.lookwhatidid.net, grab a T-shirt. It's a Chad Moffin design, super yep. cool. We have some in the store still. Get a mug if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a great way to support the show if you don't want to do like a dollar a month or five dollars a month in support of the show. And uh, yeah, that really helps us kind of keep bringing these really cool people on. We have some neat mm-hmm. people lined up for the rest of the year. Very. And um, we're getting closer and closer to making some some of our more like long-term dreams happen much more yeah. quickly. This is really putting some things in a much more attainable grasp. So oh, yeah. I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a pleasure. Yeah. So sure, thank you guys so, so, so yes. much for being fans thank of the show you. and for supporting us. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, enjoy the rest Goodbye. of the back half with Mr. Chase Goforth, filmmaker extraordinaire. God, I can't remember the guy that said it, that, uh, ca- that Westerns and horror films are basically the only true American art form. It's it's the art form that we came up with. It's it's our genres, and that westerns and horror films, uh, by and large, broad stroke, are always about uh, either what is happening right now on the socio political scene or what's about to happen. Yeah, and we had you know in the in the eighties we had uh, evil aliens everywhere because we had Russia across the pond and we Mm -hmm. didn't really understand what was happening and rocket ships could hit the U S at any moment and make us. And that's what all that was about. Now we have uh, terrorist bombings and we're with guys who don't seem to care whether they live or die. And we're concerned about uh, immigration and waves of people coming in and we don't really understand that either. So we have zombies 
everything's zombies right now. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's a lot. And so, uh, indie filmmakers, um, it's a way for them to attack, uh, something meaningful in a way that, um, can find an audience and, um, you can, you can make some statements without, uh, taking too much fire without nobody's really going to look at the walking dead and be like, Oh yeah, let's talk about this and immigration and right. the wall and all that's not really going to have a serious discussion. Nobody's really going to take any political heat for, for, you know, going in that direction, but it's definitely a thing that's there and something it's you can the talk visual about. version of science fiction. <laughs> yeah. I guess it costs less than a science. Like you can't do an indie sci-fi very easily. Yeah. Although, I Looper, didn't... Looper, I did a thing called Mayfly oh, that yeah. some people might have seen. It's I still actually seen that. been um, optioned by another production company. We're going to end up remaking Mayfly. This stuff just takes forever, right? But we shot Mayfly, a science fiction thing. The first uh, two thirds of the first act take place in space, and then we land on Earth. Because Earth is cheap. Because <laughs> then we realized we spent all our money <laughs> and the rest of the <laughs> got enough fuel to get down there. But and we tried, you know, Sorry. we built we built a purpose built set for about five thousand um, dollars, all out of particle board and um, styrofoam and um, what do you call it? Vacuform pieces. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we built it so that it all came apart, and you could put it back together in four or five different configurations and make new rooms cube. So yes, dude. Yeah. Similar, <laughs> similar idea. Um, and, uh, well the star Trek movies where, um, there's five different ships and you go to the bridge of each one and it's a slightly different color. Yeah. Than like, oh, the piping's orange. So we're right. on the, the star we're, drifter now or whatever. We're obviously on the Artemis. So, yeah. Yeah. So we'd shoot out, you know, our scenes that are all in one location and right. then paint some stuff and turn it around a little bit. And do, so it's, it's doable, but it's, it requires a lot of thought and we yeah, still had to a lot get of to, planning. Lot how many, how many movies hurry. have you, how many movies have been completed at this point? <laughs> um, um, one, two, three. This door in the woods is the fifth. Okay. And there is been... one you will never see. There's one we're not going to talk about. Okay, fair. There's one that's I don't in know a drawer. about it. So, unless it was the very first one, <laughs> in which case snuff, I do know about snuff it. Snuff film. <laughs> the other, the first one we did. So I got into this because I was kind of in between jobs. Um, the magic stuff was a lot of travel, and we'd kind of hit the recession, and corporate gigs weren't paying what they did mm -hmm. before. And at the same time, um, all of a sudden, you could go to Best Buy and purchase off the shelf everything you needed to make a movie mm -hmm. that looked like a movie. Mm -hmm. We got the first uh, Canon 7D to come to Arkansas. Bought the first one. I'd done all this research, and I was like, I think we can shoot a movie on this little DSLR camera. And everybody was like, nah, that's not going to work. And I'm like, I think it's, it's going to work. So we um, went down to Mississippi with a friend of mine, and in nine days we shot our first feature film, 25K. Uh, it's a little comedy action thing about bounty hunters. And we shot it on this DSLR, and everybody was like, I can't believe you're making a movie on this thing. We didn't know what we were doing. This was the one to see if we could figure out how to make a movie. Right, right. Um, and then it turned out way better than we thought. Mm. And I taught myself After Effects, over the course of the summer and I did all the visual effects and we watched it and we're like, these visual effects are too good. We're trying to make like a seventies drive in Burt Reynolds movie. Right. Like we got to make this look shit here. How do we do that? So we woke back in and we toned everything down, roughed it all up a little bit to make the effects look worse. And then we took it to festivals and it started winning some stuff. And it's like, wow, maybe we can do this for real. Um, ended up getting a small distribution deal for it. And then, uh, then we thought, oh man, we're, we're really on to something. So then we made another thing that was terrible. And that's Just the one we won't talk about. Awful. And so we put it in a drawer. And which is great because if you make stuff at a certain budget, if it's not good, put it in a drawer. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, uh, I got to, a, a couple of years ago, I got to talk to this guy who's uh, 
is, is a photographer who's had the most covers of any photographer on National Geographic, like 15 or something, like a crazy oh, wow. number of cover wow. photos. And so uh, this kid asked him, like, like, how do you, like, your portfolio is amazing. Like, how, like, if you gave me a secret of, like, how to have a portfolio like this, what do you do? And the guy said, uh, I take all the bad photographs and I don't show those to anybody. <laughs> True. It takes a lot. Of, we talk okay. about this. This comes yeah. up a lot. Uh-huh. Keep throwing the ideas out there. Yeah. Most will go in a drawer. But the more ideas you produce, yeah, the better chance something's going to well, stick. And yeah. I make little yeah. movies all the time. If I write a scene and I think maybe it's a good thing, maybe I think it's a whole movie if I work on it some more, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll shoot it on the iPhone. Just knock it out real quick. Best thing I ever did was teach myself iMovie on the f- iPhone. Yeah. It's a piece of garbage software that you yeah. can't do anything with, and it's not intuitive at all. But now that I learned it, I can shoot a scene with somebody and cut it together in about 10 minutes and play it and be like, man, that's actually, I think I'm onto a thing here. Right. Or nope, put that in the drawer. Yeah. Leave it alone. We were talking about that doing Chad's got the death ray expo coming up and well, I don't, depending on when this actually releases coming up maybe. And, but we're going to have a room for a little while and we wanted to do something that was like kid interactive. And it was like, man, we can literally just have somebody, and kids and an iPhone and kids could write a little five page movie, film the movie on their phone, edit it on their phone and know that they could go home and make movie. Like you don't even, everybody has a smartphone. You don't have to wait for your parents to come home with a VHS camcorder, you know, or whatever to like, and then have no way to really edit that other than bouncing between VCRs, which I did (laughs) Yeah, like Mm. for real. You can, I remember editing a thing for a school project. Um, I, because I did magic, um, I was the first person I met that was in show business. Was me, <laughs> right? I, I didn't know know anybody. How else. did that meeting go? So, <laughs> well, hello show, there. The only person I knew that was in <laughs> me, show business me, me. was me. This sounds like um, uh, the Prestige. Yeah, <laughs> where you so made a clone of yourself, um, and then. <laughs> but yep. it was. I didn't. There wasn't anybody. If I, if I, when I learned magic, I had to go get some books and teach myself. Right. It wasn't for quite a while until I found a mentor that would help direct and shape me a little bit. Um, early on, it was just me. And I think that's what I learned um, about doing this first movie was, uh, oh, you, it, you, making a movie is kind of like most other things. You just have to go make the movie. It's just a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and it's just really hard. Um, and then with the second and third movies and all the writing realized, you know, no one's coming to help. No one's those stories about people getting discovered mm-hmm. or whatever, or um, but that that's, that really doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> really doesn't happen very often at all. Um, no one's coming to help. No one's going to tell you to turn off the TV. No one's going to make you watch classic movies instead of watching the office some more because I've seen it 15 times, but why not watch it some more? Cause it's so comforting and right. easy. It's the thing I know. Um, right. <laughs> um, so dig out that stack of things that I've always said, I need to watch those and let's watch those movies. Right. Man, Terrence Malick's tough to watch. Let's, let's do it. It's worth it. I'm going to learn some stuff. And, and, um, so, uh, yeah, no one's coming to help. No one's going to make you get out of bed and write. And now the good news is, you know, I'm, I'm in a, I mean, I told, I think I told you I'm writing five different projects right now. Um, I'm only interested in the ones I'm not writing that day. Like it's just writing's right. hard. Right. Um, but, Every good thing that's been written was written by a guy who just wrote it till it was finished. Or a woman. Or a woman. <laughs> yeah, a, by a, a person. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, the secret to writing is ass in chair. Right. That's it. And you just write it till it's done. And there's no magic and there's no, um, you know, I, I do... I do I don't believe in magic, except I do. Right now, I'm holding this little pen. It's a felt-tipped pilot, and this pen right now is magic because words are coming out of it. Right. Like really good words, (laughs) really fast. 
Not so, even your words. Uh, I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> right. Sometimes the people on the page just talk to each other, and I'm surprised by what they said. But right now, this pen is working, so it does not leave my sight. Yeah. Um, I don't really believe that, but I kind of kind of sort of believe that. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the the secret to all this stuff is. I'm going to write it. It's going to be not very good. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to work on it some more and it'll be a little less crappy than it was before. And then Mm -hmm. it just takes a long, long, there's, there's nobody. Um, it was Stephen King's book on writing has a great chapter is amazing. Yeah. But he is ballsy enough to give you a rough draft chapter of a book. Mm -hmm. And then in the next chapter, he shows you his first round of edits on that first chapter and Stephen King, who's made a kajillion dollars off writing horror. Mm-hmm. And that chapter, that rough draft chapter in that book is not very good. It's really not very good. And it kind of hurts you to read it at first and be like, this is Stephen King, but that's just his first draft. He goes back and he works on it and fixes it and makes it better. You know, I have had, I've had my share of really excited people come up to me and share Really terrible ideas. I did that to you once in a cigar lounge. <laughs> no, that was that wasn't terrible. I have and had, he still showed up here. I have the, had uh, people come up and show. pitch me stuff that you would not believe how terrible it is. Yeah, but because it's a personal story or it's a thing that somehow they're emotionally connected to, it's a very important thing to them. And even when they come up with these horrible, horrible ideas, um, you know, it's really not. I don't, I don't think it's in many people's nature to just be like, this is garbage. Shove it. Right. Like I want to be helpful. I want to be and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's tough to be like, Hey, this really, here's, here's where this is weak and you really need to think about this. And, um, but very rarely do you ever just look at somebody and go, uh, your, your dream is stupid. When I get faced with something that's kind of like, well, that's interesting. Normally, there's still a piece in there where it's like, I can see where a story might come from this, and then you can kind of talk right. about that piece of it. And like, this is really interesting, and I'm excited about this character or this conflict or whatever that thing right. is. And I have that happen sometimes where, in fact, that movie that I wrote, I was just, they just wanted me to be like just a bit piece in it, and they showed me yeah. this, and it had apparently had a handful of writers, it was two pages long, and it was like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino had a child <laughs> that only knew cuss words and some good pranks, like, and it took place in a coffee shop, and yeah. so I was just like, I can't, I'm not gonna be in this movie. Well, what would you do differently? Uh, everything. All and so, like, over the next 30 or 45 minutes, because the, we had a location, and it was a coffee shop, and so, and it was a bunch of guys that worked at a coffee shop, and, uh, but over the next like 30 or 45 minutes, kind of like slowly like pitched what to me was kind of interesting. And we were able to come up with, and it just, nobody had hurt feelings. And we had a better idea than we got 30 people together sure. and went and made a movie, you yeah. know, like that we never edited. And then two, what's, <laughs> I've never what's seen my clip, opinion? Yeah. You know, I have, I have pretty good film literacy. I have pretty good television literacy. I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, but I'm just a guy. Yeah. And uh, I don't like, Mad Men or Game of Thrones. I'm wrong about those. <laughs> I actually, you posted something the other I'm day and I was like, I'm just wrong about those. You know what I'm going to do? I don't have time to do this at all. And Aaron, I hate to do this to you right now, but I'm going to cheat on you a little bit. I think I'm going to start a podcast with Chase because he and I are so just on the opposite side of thoughts about things. I'm like, we would have the best film, TV, yeah. like just conversation because you posted umbrella academy <laughs> oh yeah you didn't like umbrella Academy. no no no. i do like oh. it i like it a lot i don't know if it's better than every marvel show out no and you made kind of a sweeping statement i was like ah and this is probably isn't the time i to think go into it's better it, i really like jessica jones season one jessica jones season one is amazing but have you seen cloak and dagger i liked i've tried cloak and dagger and See, it's, I, really I don't liked think it's cloak not and dagger. for me either. i thought i was doing something different but I still. Think I really wanted Runaways to be good, and I don't care about it at all. I'm watching it with my kid, and that makes it fun. Oh, okay. Like she's 12, that and so that's yeah. really like for her. Um, but man, I still think the the first season of Daredevil, yeah, has some unbelievable Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. He's fantastic. Yeah. It is. I thought there's some great parts. There are some shots in Daredevil I have written down, mm-hmm. and I will steal. Because they're absolutely genius. Um, 
what I thought the first season of Daredevil lacked was Daredevil. Yeah, it had a Batman Begins problem for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. It's like that second Transformers movie. How do you make a movie about big giant robots that doesn't have any big giant robots in it? Just people running around yapping the whole time. Like, there's no How Daredevil did in that Bay movie. How make a movie that only had people in it? I, <laughs> see, that's another one. I'll go to the mat for Michael Bay. <laughs> Armageddon. Armageddon great. is the perfect popcorn movie. Yes, 100%. And people complain about Michael Bay's direction. At the end of Armageddon, you got 15 people in space. You got five or six people down on the ground at Mission Control. And uh, the 15 people in space, everybody has a job to do. You are never confused about where you are. They're on a giant asteroid that's falling apart. Chaos everywhere. Everyone's got a job. You know exactly who's who. You know who's doing what. You know exactly what's happening on the timetable. And those 15 people are in identical orange spacesuits. Do you know how hard that is? Wow, you really make Armageddon sound like a Do you know how hard it is to work? do that? I it's, enjoyed it. You make yeah. it sound like an it actual near impossible. Orchestrated. It is a miracle that movie works. That's true. We should all just throw palm leaves at Michael Bay everywhere he goes. I, His I'll feet should you, never touch See, the I have mixed feelings about James Cameron <laughs> for kind of similar reasons of like... Yeah. Sometimes he just knocks out. Like I think Terminator and Terminator Two are two of the best movies ever made. They're literally in my top five easily. Yeah, they're top one and two actually. <laughs> but then there's other things where I'm like, I don't know. Like Avatar was cool when I watched it, but then when I go back and watch, it, I'm like, eh, right. Um, there's yeah. it's but, but the first go around. Yeah, and yeah, Michael Bay may to me suffer that same thing of like his early work because there's I think more restraint and budget and less. Yeah. Hoo-ha happening like yeah um i think they're stronger when they're restra- restrained a little bit probably I think those two guys pain and gain is fantastic it's one of his later things have that. you seen that it's with the rock pain and, and gain uh, with the rock and mark Wahlberg. mark Wahlberg it's great it's really great um bad boys you know he see will smith has said in interviews michael bay single-handedly turned him into a movie star with that one shot where he stands up into frame. It's a low shot, and Will Smith stands up into frame and puts a rifle over his shoulder and looks, and the camera kind of pans around. Yeah. Will Smith will tell you he saw that, and he's like, oh, Michael Bay just made me a movie star. Mm-hmm. And he did. With yeah. that one shot, yeah. changed the context of what Will Smith was. I, I think he's genius. I think, and you know, if you backed up a truckload of money to my house and were like, here's Transformers, it's half a script, and let's go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's give it a I go. I will make it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Steven Spielberg's got your back. Let's just make this movie. Well, okay. And, and to be fair, I really liked the first Transformers I movie. It was yep. really good. Yeah. I do feel like sometimes, and it, this doesn't need to turn into a critique of it, sometimes, so, not just that movie. I think sometimes we start to get in a position where we think that big special effects and big set pieces are what are getting people out of the seats. And maybe that's true. And it's sometimes for me as a person that loves story can detract from, I think what makes the Marvel movies, I actually said this not too long ago, so great is that they tend to be, it seems like here's a really good story about a person I want to tell and it's just going to happen to be on this planet or whatever, you know, and DC seems to be a little more like, well, there's going to be rain there's going to be a monster that breathes fire that came back from the dead, (laughs) like just way too much, you know? So I, but when I, you know, one of the last Transformers movies that came out, um, I was leaving the theater and there were two 12 year old boys leaving the theater ahead of me. And one leans over to the other and goes, that's the best movie I've ever seen. Well, no, that's probably, it's probably not. It might be for him, but <laughs> I remember being 12 and I went to go see batteries, not included. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That little yeah. thing, uh, Spielberg produced it and I, and it's, um, and I remember leaving the theater and thinking, that's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And it was on Netflix not too long ago. Yep. And I watched it again. And that is not the best movie I've ever seen by a long shot. Uh, but I... it hit where I was at the moment. Mm-hmm. It was just what I needed. So that's fine. I kind of stubbornly just hold on to my claim. So Lady Hawk. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like me some Lady Hawk. I love Lady Hawk. Um, I haven't seen it, so I can't. Rocketeer. Say I think Road I saw Warrior. it Rocketeer. 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 times yeah. in the theater. I th- I think that movie actually still holds up. Yeah. Um, Jurassic Park. That was a game changer for oh, me. Yeah. And that one still holds up. I think. Yeah. But I like, I do think the '90s were kind of 
the special effects were good enough and it was still enough practical work yeah. that those movies visually still kind of stand the test of time or some of the 80s, 70s stuff. Like Willow, yeah. as much as I love Willow, <laughs> special effects wise, sure, is rough. You know, like it just... Yeah. But even parts of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was on the other day and um, the Brachiosaurus, the first Brachiosaurus they see mm-hmm. in broad daylight walking across the hillside right. and it rears up and eats leaves off the tree. And now it's like that compositing is not great. The texture on that thing. <laughs> I could do that on after effects. And the texture <laughs> on that thing is a little rubbery. Right. Little, right. Like, and I just wonder in 10 more years, like, will how, it actually make it? How is it going to hold up? The night stuff's still great. Right. The night mm-hmm. stuff's great. The broad daylight stuff is a, a little, little rough. A little wonky. I need to rewatch it again. A little. Yeah. But I love it so much, it doesn't matter. But I wonder when my nieces are in their late teens, I wonder how Jurassic Park is going to hold up. I suggested a movie to a kid the other day and realized I was suggesting a movie that was almost 40 years old and thinking about. Being 10 in 90 or 91 or whatever, and 40 years before that, and what that movie was. I mean, you're like Maltese Falcon or something, you know, like just the like how time. Were you you old enough to see The Fugitive in theaters? Was that before Um, your time? I wouldn't have seen it in theaters, but I I saw it as soon as it came out to VHS. So that movie, when it came out, was a nonstop roller coaster of action. Oh yeah. When it came out. Yeah. From top to bottom just mm-hmm. does not stop assaulting you with really cool original action sequences right. and tension and all that. So uh at the cigar shop the other night I had a couple of twenty year olds who wanted to see a good movie, so we watched The Fugitive. They'd never seen it. Didn't know about the T V show. Didn't right, know. right. Mm-hmm. It was tough for them. The man was one arm. The pacing on the fugitive so slow. was tough for them. It is slow. And when I take him and show him 70s stuff, we watched uh, The Conversation with Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. and they like it, but it's work for them to watch because the pacing is so mm. deliberate. The equalizers and newer. I just watched it for the first time the other day, and it's very much a modern movie that asks a lot of a modern audience, I think, in yeah. how slowly that. Un- and he flat out says it. I watched. I watch all the special features because, yeah. you know, Rodriguez sure. says it's the cheapest form of film school. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, he he blatantly just says, yeah, it was a 70s film. We just wanted to make a 70s film that's a slow burn. Sure. And I can see why that movie didn't get a lot of... Did you Have you seen Door in the Woods? Not you yet, no, because I was supposed yet. to have go you... to your opening, right. and then I had a friend so, flying from out of town. Door in the Woods is a 70s... Um, it's in some senses it's very very modern. In other senses, it is very deliberate slow burn right. thing. And in fact, it is there's not a lot of jump scares. There's one or two here or there, um, but it is about tension and inevitability. And it is ninety minutes of me setting up dominoes. Mm-hmm. Just here's one. Hope you like that. <laughs> Here's another one because we are building to a thing in the third act. Right. Hopefully you feel pays you know, off. We told everybody we, we want it to be, this is you're tied to the railroad tracks and you see the train coming from half a mile. That's what we want is just, it's inevitable. See, that this is going to go like bad. That. Yeah. yeah. I do too. Yeah. If I'm a kid, the landscape has changed a lot in the last 30 yes. years. I, I, as a kid wouldn't know that, but as a kid now today, and I, I dream of making being, I think most people probably start with wanting to be on the front side of the camera, or at least yes. that was my experience, you know? Uh, but what would, what would be your word of advice to somebody who's like, I just want to be in or make the movies? Learn guitar instead. Join a band. Start it's funny, band. the guitarist told us that uh, <laughs> you should, yeah, you should become a director. Don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> You have no excuse to not be making stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I had a friend one time uh, who was a college football coach, and I asked him one year, I was like, uh, how's, how's your team going to be this year? And he said, I don't know yet, because I don't know which of these guys, how many of these guys want to be a football player, and how many of these guys want to play football. And that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. 
And so when somebody wants to be a filmmaker, do you want to be a filmmaker or do you want to make movies? Mm -hmm. Because those are two different things. There's a lot of guys who want to be film festival famous. They want to do the red carpet thing. They want to have a little weekend where they feel like uh, they're Terrence Malick and um, they don't want to carry equipment, but from they point don't, a to don't point want to carry B. equipment oh. from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, so if you want to make films, you have no excuse to not be making them right now. Make awful stuff, make God awful stuff, but just make stuff and then put it in the drawer. Uh, Adam Goldberg, I think is one of the best examples on television of that right now with the Goldbergs. Yes. Because at the end of the show, it'll sometimes oh, show yeah. some of his clips, you know? And you can see him making it when he was 10 and that exact scene 30 years later or whatever yeah. done now with money. And yes. they're very much, they're very similar. A lot of, it, I think if I was a kid watching that, I'd be like, oh, wait, so this could actually be a thing later. Like that has to be yes. one of the most inspirational. Mm -hmm. I love that they do that. Yeah. But yeah, make make a ton of stuff. And when you get something that's okay, doesn't even have to be great. You get mm -hmm. something okay, stick it on YouTube, stick it on Vimeo, make a make a thing, put it out there, and let people see it, and get used to that. If people make funny, screw them. That was anyway. what the guitar player said: get but, in front of other people as soon yeah. as possible and yeah. just put it out there. Put it out just there and do it. And if you hate it, if you really can't stand it, put it in the drawer. Yeah. Don't delete it. Don't throw it. Put it on a hard drive somewhere that you're not going to let anybody see. Because the other thing that happens is. Um, the biggest inspiration for things I'm working on right now are things that didn't work out previously and I put away. I've got notebooks full of stuff that didn't work out. It's just a scene here or a scene there. And when I get stuck on one of these projects I'm working on now, I'll take an afternoon and I'll take an hour and I'll go through the old stuff and I'll be like, oh, that totally will work for what I'm doing scene. now. Yep. I'll just steal so it. Speak, yeah. 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 Go pick the bones of the, the old mm -hmm. stuff. So, I've done that. I've done that with songs where I'll like pull make stuff. Just mm -hmm. lyric hella out. make stuff. <laughs> yep. Well, the, there's another thing that, that a lot of people, I think, in any sort of creative endeavor face. It's like being critiqued. But a lot of times it's you have to tell yourself, I did this. You're not. You know, there's, right. a, big, there's a big difference in thinking about it and doing it. And yeah. I think a lot of times if anyone has any experience in doing anything that we've talked about or what you're doing, they're not going to critique it first. They're going to realize how hard it is because they've done it and they've tried. Right. So I think that, you know, it, yes. it's, it's hard to think of that, but yeah. it's also something to think about. Be, be a learner, be mm -hmm. very open to advice that comes from the right places. Right. You can't just take everybody's advice uh -huh. because, um, I love people, but they love to talk about things they don't know about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, so you gotta go find somebody, find mentors, and that have real things that they can invest in, in what you're doing. We get on that sometimes where, and some, I don't remember who said this and I wish I remember, but it was like, take 10% of what is said to you, good and bad. Yeah. Like no matter what. And I, I do think that that idea of, we've talked about a little bit of like, even, even if you have a good mentor, a good person who's giving good advice, sometimes they may not see the vision and sometimes yeah. you do just have to follow your dream and that can be a fine line, but I think it getting that feedback and knowing to blow off some of it and accept some of it and just yes. see what works and keep trying. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's all you can do. Yeah. And so be, be willing to look and go sometimes, you know what? Sometimes this dream isn't for right now. Mm -hmm. Some, this might be the thing I have my heart set on. Maybe we need to put it in the drawer for a couple of years mm -hmm. and I need to try a different approach and then we're going to come back yeah. and we're cuz sometimes it's just the wrong idea for the this time um the guy that made moon Doug Jones Duncan Jones Duncan yeah. Jones he did that yeah. that the his most recent movie was a like 20 year old film school movie i think or something wow just wasn't the right time yeah mm -hmm. um make the thing make the thing yeah and you have all the equipment around you so really yeah. there's no excuse just make yep. the thing yeah Make Do it, it afraid. Sure. <laughs> right back at you, Robert Frost. Make yeah. it. Make it with finger puppets. Make it with cardboard. It uh -huh. doesn't matter. Well, I mean, there's a movie. Finger Making puppets. the things. What was that guy's name that did the Kung Pao movie? Yes. Thumb Wars. You yeah. Know, it was all. That's all yeah. it was. 
<laughs> I have I have an outline right now for a horror film that's all sock puppets. Oh my gosh. Because the question is, can we make <laughs> people fall in love with sock puppets so much <laughs> that when one gets murdered, oh. you feel it? Um, Darn. Syphil and Ollie say you can fall in love with sock yeah, puppets. So. Absolutely, yeah. Because <laughs> it's my United States of whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I brought that back. Yeah. Um, it's on TV revival. <laughs> uh, so... Mm-hmm. Aaron likes to ask people a question. Okay. I don't know if you've listened to the show or not. We've started kind of like the snake tail thing where we're getting people that know it, but there is no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just, he's going to start a sentence and you just finish it. Yeah. It's easy. Okay. All okay. right. I wish I could. <sighs> the, the real. It, my initial answer is a pat answer. And it's not, the real answer is I would like to be invisible. Not all the time. I'd I, like to be I, able I, to go invisible. Mm-hmm. Would you be Kevin Bacon invisible? Yeah. No. Because he's Hollow Man? Invisible. No, not Hollow Man invisible. <laughs> well, I would like, and I wouldn't even do creepy things. I would like, there's, there's a, a if something. If you're invisible, everything you do is creepy. I'm just going to point sure. that out. There is no but not creepy invisible man. Fully invisible man. There's uh, <laughs> There's something deeply broken inside of me that oftentimes um, there's, there's a part of me, obviously, that's broken that wants to be on display in front of people because I make <laughs> movies and I need to do that. Um, and there's another part of me that's like, uh, I really need to not be seen for a couple of days. And it would be so easy if I could just turn invisible yeah. Yeah. and be like, hey, guys, I'm OK. Everything's good. <laughs> See a, see a Saturday. Yeah, cool. it's it's literally called camping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. described camping. Look what I did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Kelly.